introduction to Echa in the Art Scroll Echa, which I think was one of the very first, maybe the second Sefer that Art Scroll ever published, you might notice that the introduction to Echa does not say anything about Echa. It talks about Tishabov and about the history of the day and all the tragedies that happened. The Maraglim, the Chorben, two Bate Mikdash, and Beitar. And it does not talk about Echa per se at all. When you look in the Art Scroll Kinnis at the beginning of Echa, you don't see very much about Echa. You see translations, but not a whole lot of discussion about the Megillah itself. So one thing about Tanakh, Rabbi Beryl Wine likes to say it, and a number of other people who she or my love like to say it, is that Tanakh is not a history book. It is theological and moral, sorry, turning off the beeps, uh, and it talks about the history of the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and human beings, but it's not meant to be a complete historical account. So Echa is not a narrative of what happened to cause the Chorban, what happened during the Chorban, it's not dates and leaders or prose accounts. It is one of three Sifrei Tanakh, all of which you really kind of need to learn uh, to bounce them off each other and see what the full story of the Chorban is. All of them were written by Yirmiyahu Hanavi, Sefer Malachim, particularly Malachim Beis, right before the Chorban, the history of the uh, downsliding of Klai Yisrael and Malchus Yehuda before the Chorban Beis HaMikdash by Bavel. Sefer Yirmiyahu, which is where the word Jeremiah comes from, an English word meaning a terrible tale of woe and tragedy, and the Echa, and the three of them triangulate to give you a very full picture of the Chorban from different perspectives, historical perspective, uh, Nevuah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu perspective in Yirmiyah, and an emotional perspective in Echa. Um, the story behind the Chorban, just very briefly, uh, in the year 930 before the Common Era, the two kingdoms split into Yehuda and Yisrael. The reign of Yeruvam ben Nevat, if you listen to Nachiomi, you've heard a lot about this. Um, in the year 722, 200 years later before the Common Era, the ten tribes are exiled and the end of Malchus Yisrael. In the year 700, 20 years after that, Sancherib makes war on Yehuda and Yerushalayim and besieges it. But overnight, Sancherib's army is completely vaporized by God, by a plague. 185,000 men disappear. And the Jews take a sign that Yerushalayim is invulnerable, that the Beis HaMikdash is Hashem's house, and it will never be destroyed. And then finally, in 586 before the Common Era, the Chorban does happen. And Klai Yisrael is completely shell-shocked because we thought it was impossible. We were certain that no matter how sinful we were, the Beis HaMikdash would always stand because Hashem would never let it fall. Look what happened to Sancheirev. Two aspects of Eicha just to talk about. One, the word Eicha itself. Eicha, Eicha, how can it be? Why? Uh, Rav Soloveitchik explains in his book on Kinos that the word Eicha is something ordinarily that we're not allowed to ask. How could this happen? Why could this happen? Hashem has a plan. We come in in the middle of the game. We leave before the game is over. We're not meant to know Hashem's plan. But on Tisha B'Av, it's permitted. And the questions that we ask, the negative reaction that we have to the Chorban and the horrors that go with it, if Yerushalayim is a holy city that was specially protected and the Beis HaMikdash is where the Shechina rests, how could it be destroyed? And how could it be destroyed by enemies who are completely godless, who do not have any Yerush Hashem? More direct, the real question, the question of evil. How is it that innocent people suffer 
and Rishayim prosper. And terrible punishments are visited on children and adults and tzaddikim right alongside those who sin. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is all tzedek and all mishpat, how could what seems so unjust take place? And we see that Eicha is not the first to ask this question. On Tisha B'av, we're allowed. But even before that, Avraham Avinu challenged Hashem before the destruction of Sodom. He said, How can the judge of the world not do justice? Moshe Rabbeinu confronts Hashem. In Parsha Shmos, why have you done? Bad things happened to Klai Yisrael after I came. Why would you send me? Yeshaya says that Hashem is responsible when we do Averos, that he hardens our hearts. So he's, in a sense, allowing us to sin. So we see you're allowed to challenge HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is willing to allow us to challenge him, certainly the most righteous people, to ask how could this be? After the Holocaust, people who survived had many of these questions. And the Holocaust, as I talked about in my nightly shir, really has a lot of lessons from Eicha. Eli Wiesel is, is an unbelievable person who kept his faith and his connection to what Eicha is saying is very sharp when you read what he writes. It sounds like Perik Dalit, Perik Beis. Now, the structure of Sefer Eicha is interesting as well. To give you a, a, a hint, as you watch the, the, uh, the show, as it were, on Matzei Shabbos, think about this. There are five Perukim. Four out of the five are written Aleph through Tuf. So 22 Psukim apiece, each one starting with the next letter of the Aleph base with Perik Gimel having 66 psukim. So three psukim start with Aleph, then three with Beis, then three with Gimel. And the Medrash says this is because we send all of the Averos from Aleph through Tuf uh, and against the entire Torah, so we got a total punishment. There's a structure, a kind of circular structure, spiraling inwards. So Perik Aleph and Hay, the edges, the outsides, conclude with Klal Yisrael's accountability for what happened, the Averos that we committed. Perak, Beis, and Dalit moving inward are anger and accusation and protest against Hashem. How could you let this happen? Pure emotion and even anger, where we say Hashem was ki'ayev against us. Not an enemy, but like an enemy against us. And Perak Gimel is the heart, the 66 psukim in the middle, short bite-sized psukim, where we start with suffering and end with faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tzedek and rachamin, that it will see us through, ani hagever. It is, it is well worth learning. It is a tremendous, tremendous limud. I recommend it highly. Uh, if you want to see how I went through it, you can, in fact, see them on YouTube. I made a little YouTube playlist. Sorry, I shouldn't plug it on this year. But uh, just search YouTube, Eicha, E-I-C-H-A, and K-J-C, Kingsway Jewish Center, and you'll find my little playlist of videos if you want to spend a half an hour. But let me just conclude. I'm sorry, it's already 110, so I have one minute. I started at 101. So um, something that Rabbi Zucker showed me when we were starting to learn Eicha, a little group of us in shul, he said, oh, didn't you read the Rashi? And I said, which Rashi? The, the Rashi on Eicha does the same thing. He said, the first Rashi on Shir Hashirim that they print in the Mekrois Kedal is not in Rashi, but on a separate page. I said, oh, of course, that one. And he showed it to us, and it blew our minds. Ani says Rashi in his introduction to Shir Hashirim. That Shlomo, and we know this from Malachim Aleph, Perches, and Tes, 
Hashem spoke to Shlomo and said the time would come when we would sin and the Beis Hamikdash would be destroyed. So from the beginning, he saw the end. And we would we would be mourning, we would be missing the original covet that we had in our relationship to Hashem. And we would remember the affection Hashem had for us. Hashem is the, the husband, we are the wife in the connection, the marriage between Kla Yisrael and Hashem. Let me go back to my original husband. So what did he write? The Yosad Sefer Shir Hashirin Baruach HaKodesh. The Lashon Ishad Sarura Almanus Chius Mishtokeches Albalo. Shir Hashirin and Eicha are sister Megillops. Shir Hashirin, the book of the love of Hashem for Paul Yisrael, of the Raya and the Dod, of the connection between Anila Dodi, the Dodi Li, it was the Rafua 410 years before the Makkah. So when one learns Shir Hashirim, when one learns Echa, one is learning flip sides of the same coin. And I encourage everybody to do that, especially as we make our way through, may this be the last three weeks period where we have to end in Avelos on Tisha B'Av. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for letting me introduce a little bit about Echa. And have a wonderful day and an easy rest of the nine days and a tinus on Sunday. Uh, enjoy whatever seum you may have this week. I haven't had any so far. So take care.